0: This is Ben and this is Zoe and you're listening to Story Club the podcast recorded live at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Sydney. This week Zoe. Oh yeah it's me. Until I was six years old I had no siblings and I had no pets. I had a TV in my room and I was allowed to eat as much cake as I wanted for afternoon tea. But neither the casually racist and pleasingly M15 Plus Fast Forward that I watched unchecked, nor the oversized helpings of tea cake drowning in clotted cream adorned with a vanity strawberry could clog the hole in my heart that ached for something smaller than me to take care of. (laughs) I did have a life-size doll called Molly Uh, I used to take Molly to the park and tell everyone that she was my sister. Uh, If the fact that she was made from polyurethane didn't undo me, Molly's apparent African descent often uh, betrayed my life. I was always looking for new, more depressing forms of self-delusion. After all, Molly's efforts at the seesaw were piss-weak and made me weight-conscious. Sometimes my desperation for a companion would lead me down gloomy paths. When Mama invested in Tupperware in her late 30s, she saw miles of leftovers from successful dinner parties stretching out before her, and I saw the perfect home for a friendly slug. (laughs) I took the smallest of the sealable containers to our little front garden and I staked out until I found one and put it in its plastic condo and day after day, slug after slug would die in airtight domestic perfection. (laughs) Then one day, when a bag of mixed nuts required decanting, Slug House was repurposed forever. (laughs) Needless to say, I was mentally ill-equipped at the age of six when the time for pets finally came. As we walked into the fish shop, I let go of Mama's hand. I was blind to the grotty rubber floors, to the aromatics of rot and gunge and the juvenile green texture markings on each tank, smudgily articulating the cost of each type of fish. All I could see were neon greens and oranges and highlighter pinks and yellows, electric blues, fire alarm reds, grimace from McDonald's purples (laughs) and every other colour in my dough pencil dreams. All rushing through the tanks that lined the walls, stacked one atop the other, a metropolis of fishes. They had places to be, those fishes. Overtaking the street-sweeper snails who slowly made their way across the glass, purportedly cleaning it with their rejuvenating slime. (laughs) ''What kind of tank you got?'' said the 15-year-old fish fuckwit. (laughs) ''Actually, uh, this is our first fish,'' says Mama which embarrassed me tremendously. <laughs> this person need not know that we were so ill-versed in the Book of Fish. <laughs> OK, so do you want, like, a tropical tank or a freshwater tank? Freshwater is good for first-timers and kids, he said, <laughs> looking at me. I knew what it was like to be patronised. <laughs> it felt like a stream of hot, fresh wee trickling down my face. <laughs> oh, that sounds great, said Mama and she started walking with the man to the other side of the shop, past all the swelling, tropical utopia of my dreams, to where the freshwater fish were, the sad, partially sedated, floating towards the top of the tank, in amongst acres of pink, stringy shit. Freshwater fish. That one looks a bit like you, I said under my breath to Mama. Pointing to one of the googly eyed fish because Mama had a thyroid problem. And I was a terrible person. I'm sorry, Mom. Oh, she's a very good person. Why why do you put up with this shit? Why the fuck? Do I have no idea. No idea. Anyway. Let's take that one, I said, pointing at Mama in fish form. <laughs> it's very, very easy to adjust to improvement. No sooner had I walked into preschool for the first time than the delicious aching to go there melted away and in its place a sense of entitlement festered. Later, when I would acquire a sister, a little Georgia over here, After six years of lonely yearning, mere weeks after her birth, when physics forbade her from fitting fashionably into Molly's clothes, I would decree her to be essentially pointless. (laughs) And having wished so hard for a pet, I was crestfallen when having been exposed to the tropical cornucopia. All I could have was a floppy and melancholic boring coloured shitfish. Whose only recommendation was that she looked a bit like mama. <laughs> the fish fuckwit put mama 2.0 in a plastic bag and fastened it with sticky tape. I picked out a pile of rainbow stones and a little plastic tank and we took her home. I kept the fish on my desk next to my homework. I named it Googly, but its secret name was Mama. (laughs) Almost immediately, its tank took on a graying, moldy quality, and a light stench began to fill my room. I sort of liked feeding it the little orange flakes, which tasted, I learned privately, like salty leaves. (laughs) And even though I hated it for everything it wasn't. Googly became the proud first stop on a tour of my bedroom, which went something like fish, bed, jar of sweets on mantelpiece, rest of mantelpiece, chair, box of disorderly, polypockets, pockets, desk, notice, board door. I got to give that shit tour exactly once to my friend Alex before the fish died a week after purchase. I woke up in the morning and there was Mama floating upside down at the top of the little tank, Her giant, brassy eyes, staring forever, at nothing in particular. (laughs) The next evening we went back to the fish shop. This time as a trio, Mama, Dad and I, arm in arm, credit card in pocket. Now we weren't first-timers, we were guilt-riddled second-timers, ready to upscale. (laughs) My parents had learned some valuable lessons from round one. Uh, fish die unexpectedly and often, therefore a populate or perish approach is best practice. <laughs> to that end, always have at least seven fish so that their attrition can go largely unnoticed. Uh, the best home for the fish is in the palliative care of the dining room, where any morning carcasses can be swiftly removed without a trace. <laughs> that afternoon we came home with a big fish tank made of glass, loads of garish stones, various ornaments, several uncategorized sea plants and two bags of fish ranging from beige to bland in colour. <laughs> we also got some of those cleaning snails and an electric filter for breathing and such. <laughs> At home, I arranged the neon stones in the tank and placed all the little toys therein purposefully. A mini statue of a ghost, a never-spinning red windmill and a little sparkly blue robot were all embedded in the stony turf amongst the slimy waving plants. We filled her up and let the little fish float in their bags at the top of the tank. When we felt as though they had become well-adjusted, we released them into the tasteless, glittering captivity of the rest of their lives. (laughs) The next next death happened the morning after. A fat, pinkish fish had gotten stuck behind the electric filter and all of its bits had mushed together, (laughs) fatally so. Uh, And despite the significant effort that had gone into preventing this set of circumstances, I was the first to chance upon its perverse, misshapen corpse. I showed Dad who gently prized it out from the filter with his bare hands, put it in a teacup and then commenced digging with one finger what would become a tiny mass grave in our garden. (laughs) That one was called Mildred, I told Dad as we buried it in a little patch of designated dirt. It didn't have a name, but I thought calling it after Dad's sick mother would have a certain, have a certain loftiness that Dad would appreciate. The limitations of the fish quickly became irritating. Aside from eating, wiggling, shitting and dying, those little slimy blobs were capable of nothing. One day I had some friends around after school and I made the fraught claim that I had trained my fish to uh, follow some basic commands. <laughs> Go on then, said Alex, standing next to the tank of sadness eating a Cadbury furry friend. Her eyes glowered at me. And Without a plan, I put an index finger on the side of the tank in the vicinity of a motley carp and followed it round its aimless journey hoping it would look like it was following me, which <laughs> it wasn't and it didn't. My cheerless attempts to bond with my fish had become too awful, even for me. After that, any mixed or mild emotions I had towards them crystallised into hatred. And yet still the fish came and died and rotted in the garden in a meaningless and expensive cycle. Nobody wanted them. They stank, which upset Mama, and Dad would spend the better part of every Saturday siphoning the water out of the tank, which was revolting and somehow couldn't be done without using his mouth. To me, they had come to represent inertia and disappointment. Yet somehow we were fish people now, and we would diligently replace the dead, week in, week out, without question, for a great many years. During the heaty summer between years 6 and 7, a cat wandered into our house and set up shop. We were mid-renovation, pushing the limits of our house as far into the tiny courtyard as council would permit. Wherever that cat had been before, it considered hanging out in an active construction site an improvement. (laughs) We took it to the vet, who told us that she would shove it in the window for a fortnight, and if nobody came to take pity on her, in that time, she'd get the needle. Thing is, I'd already named her. Magic scratch, patch heart, I'll have you know. (laughs) Uh, That fact, and the impending execution, had a weakening effect on my parents' courage, and we were allowed to keep it. Magic Scratch Patch Heart was not unlike a, um, a traumatised foster child. Uh, displaced, terrified and finding my overblown attempts to behave like her mother, unsettling and altogether too soon. Uh, and she gave me ringworm. <clears throat> Little Georgia, my sister, didn't understand my maladapted love for Magic Scratch Patch Heart. Georgia had been born into a world altogether different from mine. She she already had a sister, for one. And more importantly, those hateful fish were already there. For her, more so than the rest of us, the fish were just happenstance, like the recycling bin. And just like the recycling bin, she never thought to ask if it had a purpose. (laughs) Sometime after the arrival of the PTSD-suffering cat, laziness won the day, and we stopped replacing the fish in the tank. When the last one died, Dad took the fish tank to the tip, We watched him raise the thing high above his head and hurl it into the landfill. And Dad's mouth slowly recovered from the siphoning-induced ulcers. (laughs) And then eventually one day, our house finally stopped smelling like the sea had died. Thank you. For more information about the podcast or the Story Club live shows, head to giantdwarf.com.au. Thanks for listening.